The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? And welcome to another exciting episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles, as I'm trying to pull up the soundboard. Yeah! I am the guest host tonight at Asia underscore 70 on Twitter. Our co-host tonight is one at Roddy Cat on Twitter. What's up, everybody? He's Eve, 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 Eve. There you go. Not with us tonight are our fellow co-hosts at TimDog98 on Twitter and at PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter. They are off taking care of their business. We can absolutely cheer people off taking care of their business. Uh, if you are not familiar with our show, you can follow us uh, via various forms of social media. You can follow myself at agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow at Roddy Cat on Twitter at, at Roddy Cat and at News Nerds Need. And also... He runs our CB Cron Instagram account at CB Caps. Follow our absent co-hosts at PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter and at Pop Culture Net on Twitter, and at Tim Dog ninety eight on Twitter and at The Click Nation on Twitter. Tim Dog also runs the at CB Cron Comic Book Chronicles account. And fa- and find our show on our website www.theclicknation.com. You can find our podcast on cspn.us. Do it today. You can subscribe to our podcast through various uh, means, uh, through uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, etc., etc. Also, remember to support us by shopping for uh, CSPN-related merchandise at shop.cspn.us. All right, so I knocked out the uh, plugs uh, fairly quickly tonight. So uh, let's uh, jump into our comic book reviews for this week, uh, the uh, next to last week of October. And uh, prior to the show, we discussed starting off with a kind of timely uh, uh, issue because of uh, some of the trailers that have dropped in the past week and some action figures that dropped uh, today, too. Some uh, some some images that I hope that we have in the newsletter, and we can talk about. Oh, we do. So what I'm referring to is uh, this month's issue of Black Panther number one sixty six. It's actually uh, focused on, I guess, the never before told origin of one Ulysses Claw. I feel like at the very least, part of it may have been told at some point, probably in some 
former version or um, earlier version of Black Panther book or something, right? Or someplace else, who knows? But I got a feeling there's some part of it probably came out somewhere. Who knows? But yeah, this was definitely what could be conceived as a full fledged um, or nearly full fledged um, origin story for for Ulysses S. I was about to say maybe even the first time we are seeing him in a somewhat sympathetic light. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could it say that. Very well, be the first time. I do not recall ever reading. Obviously, uh, there is a, a a note in this issue to take a look at. Is it at the very end in the letters page? You know, I didn't read in the letters page. Just, no, there is a reference to um, the first time that uh, Claude. Oh yes, 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 yes. I do remember it was a panel that. Um, yeah, it was a it was a panel that was I remember the panel, but I don't remember what is what where it was referencing that is referencing. it was a, it was referencing I believe an Avengers issue, and yeah. uh, you know just scrolling through our review copies just to see um, where that is because it would be interesting to go back and read that now after reading this and kind of having a a fairly good um, uh, foundation of knowledge for you know the story of Claw. Uh, you know, uh, Roddy Cat and I were discussing just before the show, like how far back our recollections go when it comes to the character and some of the iterations and transformations he's gone through over the past, you know, let's say 30, 40, 50 years. And, um, you know, it's interesting that uh, this is, you know, like I said earlier, this really does feel like the first time he's portrayed in a somewhat sympathetic light. Now, I don't know if you want to necessarily spoil everything that's discussed here because, I doubt this is going to become part of um, MCU canon. <laughs> I doubt this is a, a story note that uh, was sent over to Ryan Coogler, <laughs> but you never know. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would imagine it's probably more so than, Hey, if there are any new readers to black Panther who don't necessarily know the story of claw, this is for their benefit and not necessarily going into the, the, into the, the universe. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, a little bit of overlay happens. Of course. But as I said, this is the first time we're seeing him in a sympathetic light. And what did you think of it? I like you. I was like, huh? You, yeah. This whole this whole backstory of Claude thing was not necessarily out of left field, but definitely something like, yeah. I guess we never really. I don't recall of any fully fleshed out um, origin for him. So yeah, it was kind of interesting for that. But at the same time, I'm. I was thinking to myself, okay, how is any of this going to play into the story going forward outside of you know, maybe being a, a tie to the the forthcoming movie, which and then you know, which granted that's still a, a couple of months off, so it would still be also kind of early for that to happen. But then again, in this day and age, it's never too early for something like that. Right. Um. Yeah, trying to make Saw Claw a kind of a a sympathetic villain in any way kind of just rubs me the wrong way, just a slight bit. But but right at the same time, the best villains are kind of sympathetic. Yeah. You know, like, okay, this, there was a wrinkle introduced, well, it's quote-unquote introduced in the story. There's like, okay, well, we see some motivations here. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't give us full full, full motivations because it's like, okay. Right. This is sort of like a uh, an interlude in this uh, longer uh, story arc mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, several factions are, are, are trying to, uh, you know, as always, take down T'Challa and disrupt the kingdom of Wakanda, so or the the the, the fledgling uh, uh, republic of Wakanda. Right. And which in a way kind of makes sense because who would you bring up in to um to kind of help bring down a nation that has been previously unconquered than the man who's you know come close to um 
causes some havoc in said kingdom. So is Leonard Kirk the new ongoing artist? I believe that is the case. Yeah. Uh, okay. And this is his, um, his maiden uh, voyage. Yeah. Which, you know, his, his art's pretty good. And is, you know, it's, it's consistent. It what is, I like about it is that it's consistent. I, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I've completely warmed to his uh, versions of these characters yet, simply because we've mostly seen other characters other than T'Challa. Right. Right. Uh, and that's I've what got, I feel about it. You know, uh, you know, Stell Freezes and Sprouse's art, you know, in previous issues is like, it's, it's enough to make you take notice, but it, you know, it is still good, good, good looking art. So, and Stealth Freeze is still doing covers, right? I believe that's the case. Yes. All right. All right. That's cool. Yeah. He probably just couldn't keep up with that monthly grind. It's tough. Yeah. Or got other stuff to do, you know? Sure. Can't blame the man. Um, but yeah. So, th- any other feelings on the issue? Like, without spoiling too much, you know what I mean? Not that there's much yeah, to spoil because I mean, we've pretty much said a whole bunch. Like, this is basically. Claude, Claude's coming in to um, Claude's coming in as he as per interest uh, to last issue, but right. this issue it, we're pretty much just getting his origin story, like we said earlier. So getting now, to know you, see. getting to know all about you. <laughs> Which, like I said, you know, it's like this is um, yeah, like Matt said, the the monthly grind is kind of tough. Like, hey, imagine trying to do biweekly or um, or weekly issues and sure. all Especially on the artists, that that can't be good, but um, but yeah, like this is basically just an intro intro to Claw for you know yeah, more likely movie reasons and going into the the story arc also, but more than likely serving movie reasons just as much as anything else. Like we don't, no one else really shows up from the cast or anything, you know, during the course of this book. So you take that for what it is. Sure. Anything from your notes before? Oh, I see it. Fantastic Four. I was wrong. It was a Fantastic Four issue. Fantastic Four, number 65. There we go. No, 53. I apologize. Right. 50. FF number 53. That is definitely within the Sometimes lead. They've been get, getting better about doing in certain cases, like throwing in a little footnote to, you know, where you could find out more about the character and or, you know, where something happened, which they used to do heavily back in the day, but they kind of oh. went away from it. So I wonder. Yeah, if yeah. I think I think Hisada uh, was uh, was the regime that really uh, pushed that out the door in the in the uh, hopes of uh, m- having stories move along briskly. Right. I believe that was the uh, intention of that. So that's it's nice to see, I like it. nice to see it come back. Yeah, like I missed that because it was like because I was the one who was like, wait a minute, when did that happen? Let me go and read back and you know if it wasn't already fresh in my mind, let me go back and check that out, especially yeah. if it was like a book I hadn't read or something. Yep. All right. So how about we do this? Uh, since it's just the two of us, how about we run a tag team through our books? Shout out to Chubb Rock. Ha <laughs> So um, you want to take the next book and I'll uh, follow up with the review? Sure. Um, since we're still on the Marvel train here, you know what? And there's something else I should have been doing in the course of this whole time. Um Grab the books here. I don't have to put them up, dude. Don't worry about it because it might be too much for, you know, for the two of us. And you know, what's what's good as a challenge if you don't have one, right? Huh. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number twenty four. Alrighty. Um. So after the events of last issue, uh, Lunella is partnerless. So this is her in three little vignettes um in this issue i actually get i uh, guessed it 
guest uh, artist. Uh, my words are failing me in that right now. It's great. Um, three vignettes for different guest artists in Yum. One of them I know I not necessarily met, but I know I found out about at um, Heroes Con, and that's Domo Stanton, who was doing DMC books. Okay. Uh, DMC book. And um, Ray Anthony Height was the other one. I, I can't remember if I don't know where this, his, um, his um, art form. Regardless, so the cool thing about this issue is like we got like three little mini stories of new Lunella, um, I guess, looking for a new partner or thinking about getting a, a new partner now that Devil Dinosaur is out of the picture. Uh, one of the vignette, the first ones to be specific, uh, if if you're looking at the cover, you see Mojo and the X babies. So that's um, that's you know, of course Mojo shows up at the weirdest times. And uh, if you know anything about Mojo and the murder of verse and the X babies, you know what he was there for. Uh, the second vignette was a uh, Ghost Rider, which this was also neat because it was a coincidentally a race as um, Lunella was trying to get somewhere. It was a race between like three different ghost riders of different uh different time periods. There was one in a on a on a big wheel. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I think somebody else tweeted a picture uh, of it. But there's a dude. There was a, a like a gentleman ghost rider with the with the uh, you know the old timey big bicycle with the big wheel in the front and a little small wheel in the back. That's but it's all in flames and stuff. So there's that dude. And then there was um what I'm going to only assume is Johnny Blaze ghost rider. Okay, because uh, um, like I said, the race was was uh, interrupted for a second because of uh, something happening, and we didn't see a car, so it definitely wasn't Robert Reyes, right? So, but the, the race ended up happening and causing some confusion. Oh, I was gonna say, did you mention that the third Ghost Rider is on a looks like a Power Wheels? No, not Power Wheels, a Big Wheel. He was on a Big Wheel, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so that was that was pretty cute. But and it was a it was a race through the city, and like I said, Lunella was trying to help out with that, and all the while monologuing, you know, internal monologuing. You know, there's so a great there's a great panel, the same page with the three Ghost Riders and Lunella, where uh, I guess Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider is talking about how um, you know every solstice, certain Ghost Riders are summoned to race across a, a track, and uh, the Hell Track this time is Yancey Street. Burning down the quarter mile from Essex to to Houston, and I'm like, oh no! <laughs> it's like our Fast and Furious uh, memories get jogged, right? Right, basically. And Houston is just—is it Houston? I guess it is Houston. It's Houston in New York, yeah. Okay. So, um, but which is where Nuttall was trying to get to because the last vignette was uh, her meeting with one Matt Murdock, aka Daredevil, at um, Foggy's law office. And uh, and jokingly trying to talk about um, trying to get Ghost Rider out of a ticket, but um, and Matt seems to be concerned about the fact that you know this this kid is out here trying to be a superhero and uh, follows her as Daredevil. And guess who shows up? The Hand, which he ends up fighting, but you know <laughs> whatever. And then they have a little talk, and then that ends that. But finally, at the end of it all. We also get a cameo from one ever-loving blue-eyed um, <laughs> reader and his hothead friend, as my notes says, leading into the next issue. So you can pretty much guess where, where that's going. And it looks like she may or may not have settled up on a partnership with that uh, cameo. That's funny. So like I said, it was a, it was a. I enjoyed reading this. It was it was a pretty uh, it was pretty neat. Different takes. Yeah. It seems entertaining. I'm looking forward to reading that. That's cool. 
like even with everything I've said, it's like it doesn't even spoil you know what goes on in the book. It's just like you know, sure, happens. So this this issue was a treat, I would say. That's cool. All right, so my turn. Uh, so the the next book I read this week was uh, All New Wolverine number twenty six. It's a uh, a second part of a story entitled Orphans of X. The orphans in question uh, in this are actually uh, Dokken and Laura. Um, the two uh, respective uh, 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 children slash clone children of uh, one Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine. And uh, Dokken has been taken um, prisoner by some, uh, I, I guess, a, a group that is uh, out to get uh, uh, mutants. And Laura has uh, basically rescued what appears to be her spoiler alert. Laura has rescued what appears to be her uh, long-thought-dead mother. And uh, there are things afoot. Not everything is as it seems, as is revealed in the pages of this book. Um, It turns out that uh, Dokken and uh, X-23 slash Wolverine slash Laura are going to end up having to work together to avoid getting killed by the infamous Muromasa Blade, which is uh, a relatively recent... um, a creation in the X universe, which it's a blade that has been specifically forged to counteract um, healing fa- mutants with healing factors so that it can kill Wolverine and people who are like Wolverine. So, um, you know, that's the crux of the issue is that, um, you know, we're moving towards uh, these two not quite so happy siblings are working together to uh, confront, you know, a group that is it, uh, you know, that is out to get them. So that's uh, the crux of this issue. It's uh, you know it's a pretty action-filled uh, issue. It moves forward pretty quickly, but uh, it, it still seems like a, a, a semi-decent jumping-on point. I don't believe I read part one of this. I may have. I don't recall, but it seemed like this issue definitely picked up in uh, you know in a in a decent place that you could uh, easily you know open the issue and, and kind of read from there without really knowing too much about the characters other than that they are the children of Wolverine so um, you know with that knowledge you can uh, pick this up and uh, go forth right. should be like typing this stuff up while I'm doing this this is great it's okay don't worry uh, what do you got next uh, what I have next is Oh, that's you. I was about to say I didn't read that. Um, Stop looking at my list. <laughs> Watch next. Um, here we go. America number eight. As I pull this up, so we have one America Chavez back at uh, Sotomayor University. She is uh off her, back from her spring break. She has moved into the um, the DeGrasse Tyson dorm. Oh my gosh. For um for science folk with her bestie um prodigy, but as things tend to happen for for poor America, things don't stay all nice and neat um all that quickly all, all that long because uh, we get a um we get some skullduggery in the form of a disguised um exterminatrix whom you see here on the cover who causes some issues on campus and um basically sets a trap for or seemingly sets a trap for America uh, which see it sounds like I need that sound effect right now huh (laughs) I know right anyway go on I'm sorry to interrupt it's just that so apropos just after we were talking about it indeed indeed but yeah so uh, you know exterminators is um, 
is on campus disguised as a new member. There's been a kidnapping of a of a um, of a uh, professor that uh, America likes. That's been that she's been talking to, not like that. Just you know, to have been whatever. But um, the most other thing you could say about this is like um, like I said. As the as the issue goes by, you see some things going on. Which you, you kind of wonder. The the thing that got it had me wondering about was like, wait, this is happening, but she doesn't see. Which she, I guess she not to think about. She does end up saying like there are certain things that this uh, disguised staff member, without her knowing who it is, does that seem to be stacked against America. Because basically, what happens is like because of there was a, a early issue where I think the the university was attacked by. Um, there was, and uh, you know, of course, America led the way in and um, and defending and um, taking care of that. But this was brought up as an issue, and also some um, some mindless ones from another from the last uh, little bit of an arc, which wasn't on campus, got brought up, and they um, ended up causing a little bit of havoc on on on, um, on the, the campus, which is supposed to be protected. But of course, you know, the there was some she can't ever going on, and you know, because of the the security protocols that um, were circumvented f- for them to get in. Like I said, all of this being an elaborate trap, and uh, where we leave this issue, uh, you know, going into the next one, seemingly has uh, America in the clutches of this enemy, or so she thinks. Okay, but, but yeah, I've been, but I've been, been enjoying it, America. It's been an interesting read for for certain. You know um, where this arc is going to go outside of this revenge thing. I'm not entirely sure, but you know. All right. Exterminatrix was a, uh, a, a an enemy from the very first book, of, from the very first issue, who's kind of taken an interest in uh, in America. Hence her hence her need for revenge. So, right. which may be leading to something a little bit bigger if uh, if the last arc you know says anything. But time will tell on that one. All right. Uh, sticking with Marvel, I'm going to jump to uh, Captain Marvel number 125. Just very quickly, we're dealing with the immediate aftermath of the destruction of uh, the Alpha Flight space station and the grounding, basically, of Alpha Flight um, post uh, Secret Empire. So what we found is uh, even with um, T'Challa as one of the main backers of the Alpha Flight program, they uh, are not able to, as of yet, recreate the uh, the entirety of the program, including a space station. If you recall, the earlier in the Captain Marvel series, she had to uh, agree to um, have uh, a character of hers, you know, a character based on her or her life story told in a movie or on television to help pay for the space station that's apparently not happening again so uh the alpha flight program is effectively grounded uh and uh this issue deals with some of the immediate after effects of that uh some of these uh alpha flight members are uh, destined for a little bit of r and uh you know captain marvel's having some issues with that um we immediately pick up with the storyline that was running through the captain marvel book just prior to Secret Empire, which involves a Cree, um, a, a Cree youngster who is uh, a visiting Carol in an energy form, and uh, the um, I guess the the hunter that is uh, tasked with uh, um, uh, capturing this uh, this being. So, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with that, you may want to read the recap page or go back and uh, check out the issues of Captain Marvel pre Secret Empire. Um, 
it's kind of a, a, a nice restart to uh, the Captain Marvel book because while it's important to know what happened in Secret Empire and how we've gotten to the point where they're literally salvaging, uh, you know, 70s and 80s era space shuttles and trying to make them space worthy. Um, at the same time, um, you know, here we are, we're jumping right back into the thick of this Cree centric um, uh, storyline. So, um, Ultimately, what we are now, uh, where we are now, is a cliffhanger where we're not 100% sure where the uh, the members of Alpha Flight and Captain Marvel are because of uh, something that happens uh, with the, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of stereotypical with the space time continuum, right? No, uh, no, someone basically gets teleported. We don't, we're not sure who or where. So uh, that's our cliffhanger ending. It's, uh, as I said earlier, it's going to help if you go back and kind of backtrack prior to the uh, stories of secret empire. But uh, if you are literally just coming into this, not knowing what's been happening, you could pick this up and just get a basic understanding of why alpha flight is in the state that it's in. And the story's going from there. So you've, you've kept up with the book, right? Here and there, yeah. here and there. I'm, 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 I'm passingly familiar with most of what they were talking about. So you know, I can't say I read everything. Um, obviously, it did help that I was reading some of it during Secret Empire. Right. Yeah, and I think I was reading some of it before and then just kind of fell off of it around, well, probably shortly before. Uh, right. So there is a storyline with this, you know, like kind of uh, ninja Cree type, you know. I remember uh, that. Person, and that person's back. So. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, then next up, I believe that's me. Um, let's see, we will go to, I guess we'll start rounding out the, uh, the Marvel corner here. Okay. I got, I got actually got to bring this one up and I was going to save this one, but us Avengers number 11. Um, I started a- opening, I started reading this, but then, uh, I think my subway ride ended and, uh, I hope that you're going to touch on the very opening of this issue. <laughs> Not only. Yes. Like with the first, within the first, like three or four pages. Yes. So definitely yes. So basically um during during Secret Empire all that kind of stuff, it was thought that Cannonball aka Sam Guthrie was lost. Nope, he was um he was stolen by space aliens and sold off. As which, people are want to, you know. Exactly. Which sends um which after all this all that Secret Empire's stuff is said and done, um worried spouse Izzy aka um Oh shoot! Smasher sends a sends a message to uh, Robert Roberto da Costa saying, "Hey, he's still alive. So, and I know where he is. Let's go get him." So here we are in this issue where he finds himself in, if this cover is any indication, um, a small town U.S. Uh, American city may or may not base be based off of a long running cartoon series that now has a show um, on the CW about it right now. Although the town is not. The CW version, Riverdale. <laughs> Excuse me. So yeah, he finds himself here, and he's still out of space, mind you. And um, apparently, what is going on, he doesn't has no idea. But you kind of get the sense of what is going on during the course of it, even though you don't know to what end it is. But it's kind of funny how the parallels between the um, the Archie Comics characters. I'll just go ahead and say it, and sure. the characters in this book are almost blatant. Right. They're blatant either copies or homages. I would say a little bit of both. Yeah. It is pretty direct, you know, if, if you look at the characters and if you think about it. 
but um but that's kind of the joy in this book in you know because al ewing's pretty much still having fun uh you know with this book uh because there's a couple of other things that happens that uh, they, that evoke some an, another age um it's it's kind of funny cuz it's like um the crew is trying to get to get to sam but they get met by some space pirates and um and smashers like um oh i don't know how they did that but it must be they must be using some high technology and it's a bunch of 1920s 30s gangsters sure yeah yeah exactly with that <laughs> with that excellent <laughs> idea that they get intercepted by so like i said it's um this this book continues to be a a lot of fun you know for i guess however long it's going to last because I'm assuming with that upcoming store, um, Avengers store, we don't know how many Avengers books we're going to end up having. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain this book is going the way of the dodo. So hopefully, Al Ewing is going to have a lot of fun with this. Yeah, and like I said, and he has been, you know, doing his run of this and Ultimates and other books he's done. So um, if if you enjoyed fun homages and stuff, then yeah, you will definitely like this issue specifically. But like the U.S. Avengers, like I, I didn't think it was right like U.S. Avengers, but like I said, it was Al Ewing, so. Uh, it it was definitely worth that, if anything else. I mean, uh, just to get to get back to the issue, the uh, the crux of the story and the cliffhanger uh, ending really does explain a lot of what this issue really is. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave it at that. I'll leave it to you, uh, loyal listeners and uh, and uh, and viewers, to uh, read this issue and get to that point and understand. Oh, that's what's going on. <laughs> I mean, and like I said halfway through reading this you kind of get the sense already it was like okay but at, at the same time like reading to it and getting to the end it's like huh all right mm-hmm. like it, it is kind of funny because once you get to the end like even sam's got got kind of gotten a clue as to what's going on because like he sees the person like oh okay now i'm starting to get it yeah <laughs> rocket legs all i could think of when i read that just now was forrest gump when he's talking about lieutenant dan with his magic legs <laughs> titanium steel I have a, that's a that's a callback going for yeah, <laughs> magic legs. <laughs> I was actually, yeah, I was actually expecting that person to go another place, like almost a Joker. Like, no one told me he had. Actually, I think the, the character did kind of say some some similar. Like, no one told me he had rocket legs or something like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, this this issue was pretty fun. So all right, that's cool. So uh, next up, we'll stay in the Marvel because I still got a few Marvels to go. Uh, Daredevil number twenty eight. Uh, this is a wrap-up to a recent kind of a brief story arc that involved the reappearance of one um, a former sidekick of Daredevil named the Blind Spot, who suffered a pretty uh, terrible injury at the hands of um, uh, a previous uh, uh, antagonist whose name I honestly can't recall. Um, but uh, he had, uh, spoiler alert, lost his eyes um, at the hands of this uh, uh, serial killer. I believe it was an inhuman. Um, I, I can't recall the character's name right away, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what's happened in this is um, uh, the hand has uh, reached out and gotten to Blindspot, and Blindspot led Daredevil into a trap. It's a trap! And uh, it's a brief story arc that uh, ultimately leads to the redemption of Blindspot after his betrayal of Matt Murdock and Daredevil. So 
Um, as brief as this uh, little interlude arc is, um, it's nice to see that they haven't, you know, that Soul hasn't completely written off the character of Blindspot. And, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, redeemed him, even if it did seem rather quick and um, rather uh, easy. But, uh, you know, he is back on the, uh, the side of the, uh, the good guys. And uh, we basically lead right into um, the, uh, the current uh, situation in New York post-Secret Empire involving Matt Murdock's uh, pretty much his greatest nemesis. That is one Wilson Fisk. And uh, we are, we're told right away in this issue that uh, certain things have happened that have been teased in other issues uh, and, and other comics uh, regarding uh, Wilson Fisk's uh, rise to uh, public uh, office, you know, his, his election to public office. So that's where we end up. So that is, that will be the uh, first Marvel Legacy issue for Daredevil number 595 coming up next month. When does Fisk become president? And where well, is it? Mayor. Nope. No, I'm, I'm skipping mayor. Oh, yeah. Ha ha ha. Kind of get a Luthor thing going on. Yeah, right. No, he's making a mayor of New York City. So. All right. But seriously, where's Echo? Oh, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> go Feffy. But um, no. that's where it goes. Yeah. I got uh, a feeling Wilson Fisk is slightly smarter than uh, 45. I, yeah. That, that goes without saying in a lot of cases. Uh, um, but moving on, let's see. I think we're about rounding out my Marvel stuff. Right. I've only got two left. That's cool. Yeah, I think this is my last one here. And that is from the Star Wars corner, Star Wars Mace Window, Jedi of the Republic, which uh, reversed those last two and you got it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the the crux of the story is they're still on this planet trying to trying to uh, defeat separatists. But uh, the two. So there's four Jedi. There's uh, Mace Window. There's Risa, Risa Man, Mano, uh, Kit Fisto and uh, Prosit. Dibs. So Mason and Mason Risa are all fighting, but they end up going off to try to find uh, the enemy stronghold while Kit Fisto and uh, Dibs are underground trying to help some people. And that doesn't go that well, which causes Prosit, uh, Master Prosit, who already had issues with why uh, Jedis are involved in the war in the way that they are. And this kind of comes into a boil later on in the issue where he and Mace Windu um, exchange some words, or more more importantly, he exchanges words with um, our Master Mace Windu, which um, leads up to a potential fight coming next issue. Um, And on the other side of this story, we find out that the mercenary droid... um, a four W A excuse me A D W four. I, I want to call him W D forty for some stupid reason. Um, got his assignment on this planet mainly for money, but he also got it from one General Grievous. Which surprise, surprise, because of this, you know, because of where the story takes place. Sure, of course he's involved, but um, so we find that out first, and then Grievous kind of shows up later on in a in a hollow vid. Um, uh, wanting something from uh, a A four, or uh, yeah, which A four does not have because he thought he had killed Mace Windu, which did not happen. Uh, so now, which leads uh, A four to go after our team to uh, to uh, 
remedy that situation. But like I said, uh, the, the crux of the issue is, as I said before, and uh, these two Jedi are about to fight, which it seems to be ill-timed, but I guess, unless the fight's not going to happen next issue, this is where we're left off. Um, but it also seemed like it was something like this was going to end up happening because, you know, there's things like this happen in situations. Sure. So, outside of that, like I said, it's a decent read. I mean, these little miniseries, these Star Wars miniseries kind of come and go. What place it's going to leave it in at the end of it, who knows? Um, but enjoy the Dennis Cowan's art. And, right, it is good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, whatever story, if you are a Star Wars fan, you're probably going to pick this up anyway because you're a Star Wars fan, more than likely. Right. So yeah, there we go. Alrighty. So uh, next up, I'm only going to touch on this briefly because I know that Roddy Cat is endeavoring to catch up to this issue, uh, which is uh, the final, sad to say, issue of. Uh, Dan Slott's run, and, and the All Reds, uh, their run on uh, Silver Surfer. Uh, this is issue number 14. Um, and I admit uh, I am behind on this uh, by a number of issues. I cannot recall exactly where we left off, but I felt that you know I was familiar enough with the story that I could dive into this, knowing that it's the last issue, and uh, kind of catching up Um you know, and letting uh, Slot and the All Reds kind of tell their story and help me, you know, get to where we are now. The fun part about this issue is that it actually does do some recounting of uh, the stories that Slot has told um, over the course of the last, I guess, the last two volumes of Silver Surfer. So, uh, you know, it goes to, you know, the, the introduction of Don Greenwood and uh, the Surfer's um, uh, uh, introduction to that family. Um, believe it or not, there are a couple of loose ends tied off in this that I guess Slot had uh, done some long-form planning on because I kind of recall some of these uh, story aspects from way, way early on, and now they're coming back. And uh, the yeah. Exactly, and, and these particular plot points are being tied off. So um, I definitely uh, agree with you, Rodcat, that it, it probably would be wise to go back and reread and make sure that you're up to date on this so that everything sort of makes sense and all the connections are made. Um, this, this is going to end up being one of those fun trade paperback or omnibus reads that you could just pull, you know, sit down with, you know, for either a long ride or just a long, you know, like on a rainy day and just kind of read through because it'll be fun. It'll all make sense, um, you know, uh, being read in uh, one sitting. So, um, like I said, I'm not spoiling anything. It is basically a long recounting of the tales of uh, the travels and adventures of uh, Norn Rad and uh, John Greenwood. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's um, it's a it's a heartwarming story. So uh, I I would say that while it's not the most reader friendly issue because it does require basically uh, some 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 foreknowledge of uh, what's been going on in uh, this issue in this book uh, up till now but i think it's a good uh impetus uh for people to go back and reread uh this run of uh, silver surfer which has been pretty good uh, for the most part because it's mostly lived outside of uh, the events in uh, the marvel universe and uh They've allowed Slot to basically tell his story, which is a little offbeat. It's not necessarily the uh, the villain of the month uh, type story because of um, you know the introduction of uh, the Don Greenwood supporting character, but it's still very very well told. And the All Reds, as always, are stupendously consistent with their art. So I definitely uh, recommend um, this book to anyone who I think is just looking for something slightly offbeat, but still you know uh, fun and heartwarming. 
Yeah, I think offbeat is pretty much the right word for this whole for this whole uh, volume because yeah, it's like you don't get any like you like you said you don't get any just hard and fast. But here's the hero, here's the villain, you know, kind of stuff like that. You just basically get a bunch of stories, whether small or big, but but some kind of way they end up uh, interconnecting with each other. And slot definitely has had a way of kind of uh, basically like making this one big story out of a bunch of little stories, including stories within stories. And, you know, cause there was, I know the last issue I finished was basically um, just them two telling stories while they were in the mouth of a big giant space whale. Right. Uh, about this other character that um, I don't recall actually being, you know, in any of the stories, but might have, like I said, it's, it's been a while. Um, but nevertheless, like the, it, is, it ends up being for a point. So, yeah, F- offbeat is definitely something for this volume, but it's also been good because, like I said, as much has been put into it, and as much as it might seem a little out of the way, um, you know, as as comics go, story wise, then yeah, it's definitely been some fun to them in, in sure. reading. So, kind of missed this. It was a server, definitely. Um, because like I said, even coming into it, it was like, well, wow, this is def- a, a different bit of storytelling that we've gotten through throughout this whole thing. Absolutely. Agreed. But it's been solid at the same time. Agreed. So, all right. So, what we have next? I believe you said you had one more Marvel, right? I have one more Marvel. So, if that's it for the Marvels, I'll finish off with Thanos number twelve. I do have a click of the week, but I'm going to talk about that on its own. Um, right. And I, I understand it's also one of the books that Tim Dog ninety eight read this week. So, my last Marvel book that I'll discuss um, in this portion of the show is Thanos number twelve. I actually assumed this was the last issue of Thanos, but it is not. It is the final issue, though, of this particular story arc, which involves um, Thanos um, battling with his son Thane um, in a knockdown, drag out, like no holds barred type fashion, with Thane being uh, pumped up uh, in power with the aid of the Phoenix Force. So it's interesting to see um, the Phoenix Force being wielded by uh, someone and still not being the equivalent of Thanos, which, you know, kind of leads you to think, you know, kind of kind of question what Thanos's uh, power levels are, uh, even without the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. So, or even one gem, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, seriously, you know, like he's taking on the Phoenix on his own. Um, granted, it's not one of the... Uh, one of the, uh, uh, the, the psychic um, wielders of the Phoenix Force, uh, uh, a la Jean Grey and or Rachel Summers. And I wonder if those characters, given their power sets, uh, how they affect the actual Phoenix Force and how they wield it. But um, getting back to the story, um, what my understanding is, is that this kind of mirrors some new god stuff with um, you know, High Father and Orion or Darkseid and... and uh, uh, dark side and Mr. Miracle or, and, and or uh, Orion, because I um, you know it's definitely some father son issues um, at the end of the world where in um, DC, it would be the source wall in Marvel in, in, in this uh, version of the cosmic universe, they find themselves at what is this? It's, it's very much like the source wall. It is the God quarry. And the God Quarry um, looks like, you know, very, you know, like a, like a, a similar uh, in aesthetic. Um, it's similar in, 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 in aesthetic to um, uh, uh, the DC version of uh, the Source Wall. So, um, you know, you can definitely draw parallels to uh, 
uh, Darkseid and or Ryan and or Mr. Miracle and uh, Thanos's um, search for you know search for uh, uh, accompanying uh, uh, search for love you know in death as opposed you know as a counterpart to uh, Darkseid's uh, search for the anti life equation right so you know the parallels between the characters as always have always been you know somewhat strong but uh, you know again I think they're being emphasized here the um, the representation of death in uh, this series is uh, very reminiscent of the uh, the death character from uh, from the DC uh, Vertigo books, but uh, she kind of meets uh, meets an end. But can death really meet an end? At the end of the day, uh, in this story, things are kind of reset uh, in the wake of um, the battle between Thanos and Thane. Um, Essentially, Thanos has been restored to his former power. If you recall, at the beginning of the ser- the miniseries or the series, um, Thanos was uh, said to be dying of disease, but apparently he has been restored to full strength and going into legacy. This uh, uh, kind of similar to what we were saying before with Black Panther. This is sort of setting up Thanos for big things, um, uh, kind of in in conjunction with Thanos's role in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe coming up. Interesting. I wonder if um, if this or if anything out of this is going to play into the upcoming stuff with Jean Grey, being that the Phoenix the resurrection, yeah, possibly. Because I think it doesn't. Because I think young Jean Grey isn't she running around with a like a a, a pet Phoenix Force thing? Um, I don't believe so. I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not reading uh, X Men Blue, so couldn't tell. Normally, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I saw I, I saw a image from her book with her with a birdcage that was that had something on fire in it. Presumably a phoenix force like bird thing in it. Doesn't necessarily mean that the two are going to, you know, uh, come together. But you, you gotta wonder, especially if the, the the phoenix force is kind of split like it is, or seemingly split like it is. We will see. All right, so uh, that is it from my Marvel, except for my click of the week. That's um, spoiler right there. Oh, Tim's got something actually. Uh, he read Amazing Spider-Man 790. Right, that's what I was getting to. That's my click of the week. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, then we will save that. Yeah, the rest of his books are uh, are uh, DC, so we can jump into DC now. Which, yeah, and I'm looking through his links because, uh, as a matter of fact, I will go ahead and do uh, Teen Titans number 13, since he and I both read that also. Um, boop, boop, boop. And actually, we pretty much had the same notes, so... Um, uh, the, the crux of the book is the team wants uh, Kid Flash back, and they uh, go off to try to they tr- go off to go off to try to recruit recruit him back. Pardon me. While Robin, being as stubborn as dickhead as they mean can be, kind of doesn't want that. But he's like, you know what? If, if you want him back so bad, go for him. Meanwhile, Robin's trying to recruit um, a character I didn't know, know too much about in the, the form of um, Amico Green. I mean, Amico uh, Oliver, or Queen, excuse me, which, if that name sounds familiar to you, is the, the little sister of, um, or half-sister of Oliver Queen, a.k.a. the Green Arrow. I almost called her Thea, which I did in um, <laughs> in, in my notes. I called her Thea as, as a joke. But, is that a TV thing? Yeah, because oh. that's, yeah. Because that's when you lose me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, I it's I might be wrong about this, but it seems like they might be taking maybe one or two notes from that. This character, however, has um, some similarities with uh, Damien. Apparently, they met during um, 
Well, and actually, part of it is because she goes, uh, Damien goes after to recruit her, partially on the insistence of Green Arrow, actually, because he apparently met him, I guess, on at that um, uh, during that Gotham Underground issue, somewhere between somewhere in Metal, and it might have been that that Teen Titans uh, issue where they crossed over, I, I believe, was the case to be, but. He, uh, they met, and uh, according to Damien, they had. He's not sure, but respects may may or may not be the the term he'd use, but that sounds like that's closer we're gonna get from him. So, and the Green Arrow probably somewhere mentioned that um, Amico should join the team to kind of help her out, and they seem to be kindred spirits because they're both hard headed and think they can do everything by themselves, and are pretty much quite skilled enough to do what you know whatever they set them out mind to do, but. Think of themselves a little bit more than, and their power, their 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 skills more than them or anybody else do. Put it that way. So, like I said, while the team tries to recruit Kid Flash, uh, Damien goes off to find her, and he does. And then they get into some a squabble with Anamanopia, which they thought they saved today, but another little wrinkle ends up happening, and they have to go back and fix the mess that uh, they made, which looks like is going to endanger Star City, uh, and that's where this. Um, this issue is and i think let's see what does tim say about that yeah robin tries to rescue uh green arrows half sister red arrow onto the team even with their commonality she refuses for now which didn't actually happen but apparently she likes uh damon's bat winged thingy so yeah <laughs> there is also a part of that seemed like 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 does damon not just want her on the team because she's capable like it does like granted Damon at times also also come across kind of creepy in his um in his research of people not not unlike his father actually you know, as to how much he he knows about them you know so his first impression with her was not was not great but at the same time you, you could read into it as he seems a little maybe a little taken with her I I'm reading that part into it myself but you know who knows Damon might find a love interest we don't know doubt if they're gonna do that in this but. <laughs> that would make for a, a funny story. So yeah, that's that. Alrighty. So you guys did uh, Titans. Let me cover. I guess the one DC book I've got this week. It's uh, one of the uh, Dark Knight's metal one shots. It's uh, Batman: The Merciless, uh, which is the version of Batman that is based on the uh, the, the mythology of the Wonder Woman. Uh, uh, t- uh, series of uh, i guess characters because um this is the bruce wayne of a universe in which uh spoiler alert the bruce wayne gains the power of the god of war Ares, and all sorts of things happen as a result of the decisions made to uh combat the uh, the forces of evil um you know, very much like the other one shots where Batman basically co-ops uh, certain powers of uh, of his fellow Justice Leaguers because he can't, uh, you know, he can't do certain things. In this one, uh, he's unable to uh, save uh, or defeat um, one of the, uh, the 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 Greek gods until he's able to, you know, literally put on a helm uh, that gives him the powers of a god. And uh, everything goes south from there because, you know, give Batman the power of a god and uh, all hell's going to break loose. And that's the premise of the story. So, um, you know, there's also a meanwhile uh, aspect to this issue. Uh, 
Um, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. So there's also meanwhile because we're also talking about, um, you know, the after effects of, uh, you know, what what this battle means to uh, the Earthlings who are tasked with uh, protecting uh, this particular Earth in which um, uh, Batman has uh, basically taken on the powers of a mad Olympian god. So it's interesting to see, um, you know, how the two factions are kind of um, figuring out what to do. And ultimately we come down to... Um, you know what this particular Bruce Wayne's motivations are, uh, given you know some of the things that happen in this issue and why he acts the way he acts, why he, you know, dons this particular helmet. So um, it was actually a pretty interesting read. Some of these uh, one shots have been pretty, uh, you know, pretty uh, uh, not, you know, just not entertaining. Uh, I know that uh, PCN underscore dirt mentioned that he was not a fan of the Aquaman version that came out, I believe last week. Um, I know that the red death one, which is the one based on the flash based on um, Batman acquiring flash powers was fairly entertaining. And I generally like this one too. So I can count this one among the better, uh, 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 you know, this, this uh, Knights stuff, metal Knights or whatever uh, one shots. This is one of the better ones. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Looks like I at some point I'm going to find myself reading this uh, crossover or this miniseries. I guess it'll be like when it's like me finally catching up on Game of Thrones because the Mets finally sucked. You know, I finally had some time to uh, you know binge watch some of this television and catch up. You'll find you'll find something that'll you know. I was gonna say it may not be a sports team, but you'll find something either you know hits a uh, hits a point where you're not watching it and you're looking for something new, and you'll be like, you know what. I'm gonna read this Dark Knight's metal stuff. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I've been trying to get get, especially since we got urine and stuff coming together. You know, at some time before then, some of the stuff will get read for certain. Sure, you know, while the while the uh, the family or the missus is uh, wrapping up Christmas presents, be like, yeah, you do that. I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, really. So um, let's see. So actually, I'm gonna get to Tim's last. Um, DC book and mine, which are two different ones. Um, let's see. Eh, well, so Tim's is Flash 33, which is also another Dark Knight's metal tie-in. It is part one, as he says, part one of the Bats Out of Hell, where the Justice League squares off against the dark multiverse Batman. And that is uh, Tim's notes about that. My book is Rough and Ready, The Rough and Ready Show, number one. So this is um, one of those Hanna-Barbera, this is off the actual deep bench of the Hanna-Barbera uh, universe, one that I'm not entirely familiar with, but you know, you kind of know it. So I would say this is like of a, a Tom and Jerry, Roadrunner, Coyote type of situation with these two, but this has been kind of DCized because these, uh, so Rough and Ready are two actors uh, who... You know, if this were a real world parallel, would be like um, Dean Martin and, and Jerry Lewis type of situation, but uh, of the of the cartoon of variety. You know, so this whole this issue kind of goes through uh, the time frame of where they're at their heyday to where the current quote unquote current they were. They've kind of fallen off, uh, done to different. They've taken different life pack, patch, um, life uh, journeys. Let's say. So, uh, Ruff, which, believe it or not, is the cat, not the dog. Um, wait, make sure that's right. Doesn't matter. 
Yeah, see, like I said, this is this is from the the hand. I looked this up earlier, but I think Rough is the cat and and Ready is the dog. Okay. Um, and because like like this is I don't I know my hair rubber fairly decently. I don't know these cats or dogs. But regardless, like I said, they are a, t- a comedy duo, duo during the fifties and sixties. While it looks like on set or excuse me on screen, they look like they are you know best of buzz and this and that other. But as tends to be the case in the real world, you know, as comedy duos go, it's not like that in real life. And there's some animosity between them, which grows and grows and grows over time until they end up splitting apart and, uh, like I said, going their separate ways. Um, you know, uh, Ruff ends up d- doing acting stuff while Reddy kind of does, but his decline ends up going down where Ruff seems to be doing all right up until a certain point. Like, I think the, one of the last major things he's, he did was he was in this universe's equivalent of Law and & Order. Um, and I think Reddy ends up at a Home Depot or something like that. I don't know whatever the case may be. But the near... So you kind of see this, the, like I said, the slow decline from the 50s through, I guess, the 80s or now, whatever the case may be. Uh, but at the end of this issue, you see this talent agency tried to pick them up for something we don't know about, but apparently, um, I guess during this, what looks to be a six issue miniseries, them trying to gain their popularity back. But it seemed like during whatever this um, talent agent wants them to do. So, but yeah, like I said, I initially have been I, I picked this up because of the curiosity of the curiosity of this the how they've been treating the Hannah Barrera stuff lately. This one I kind of wasn't going to because I one I didn't know the characters too much uh, for the most part, and two and this is not a knock against the the writer, but I kind of felt like I knew what I was going to expect. This is okay. being written by um, Howard Chaykin. Ah, of course. There you go. So if you know much of, of how his work tends to go, this kind of has some of that in there. Sure, sure, sure. It's just uh, interesting because, well, go ahead. You make your point, okay. and then I just had something to add. No, go ahead. All right. So ultimately, when I saw that you had read this book, I didn't just really notice this title in our review, uh, in our list of review books. But all I could think of was this. <laughs> okay. You know, this is all I could think of. Nice. That part right there. <laughs> and there's our music for the show that's our outro play into the uh, outro of the show so yeah you know rough and ready number one all i could think of was rough riders yeah i know and that uh, yeah i had all kinds of things on, and not outside of that one on myself so you were amongst company on that that's one. funny but yeah like i said it i the treatment of it was even with everything i said was aside like i say i i kind of like the way they've been kind of changing the character characterizations of these uh, Hannibal Bear characters to put a DC spin on them and and in cases of a real world, you know, parallel to them as they've ever done. So they've done all right job. Like I said, this one was kind of whatever it was. Because like I said, if you know who wrote it, you kind of take it for what it is. So it's all right. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we only got a few left. Yep. Before we get to clicks of the week. And actually, I think I only have one more book left. So... Yeah, I do. So if you want, got another one you want to throw out there real quick. Uh, maybe I'll just talk about what's going to end up being my click of the week. It's a little bit of spoilery uh, information right there. But um, 
My, uh, the book I was uh, kind of holding off discussing was Amazing Spider-Man number 790. Um, this is uh, another chapter in the saga of the fall of Peter Parker. Um, the storyline is actually entitled, uh, as I pull this up, um, one more moment. It is The Fall of Parker, Part 2, Breaking Point. So um, I know that uh, Tim Dog 98 also read this. I'm going to take a quick look at his notes and compare them with what I've got running through my crazy brain. So, yes, um, the crux of the story really is that um, Peter Parker has to atone for uh, a lot of his acts in the in the downfall of Parker Industries. Uh, quick note, Parker, he had to basically destroy Parker Industries so that Dr. Octopus, who really did have a strong hand in creating the basis for Parker Industries, um, so that he could keep it out of Ock's uh, deadly hands, uh, basically he torched everything. And uh, while normally that would be an honorable thing, when you're a multinational uh, corporation that employs hundreds, if not thousands of people and uh, whose products affects uh, millions of daily lives, uh, there's bound to be a pushback and backlash to the destruction of and, 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 and the downfall of this uh, multinational corporation. And this is uh, another chapter in uh, Peter Parker trying to close the books on Parker Industries. And one aspect of that is uh, basically selling off um, uh, mild spoiler alert, very mild, very mild. Basically has to sell off the Baxter building to pay off the, his debts and, um, and to help, you know, I guess with severance packages and whatnot. And, the uh, one, uh, human torch is not very happy with this because when, um, Peter Parker initially bought the, uh, the Baxter building and turned it into the headquarters of Parker Industries. He did so with the promise to, uh, with a promise to Johnny Storm that uh, he would be maintaining um, the Baxter building um, as a, you know, in, 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 not as a museum necessarily, because, but he, although he did um, keep a statue of the FF in there, but also maintaining it as kind of like the, um, the inheritor of a great legacy and trying to keep it out of, you know, uh, ne'er-do-well's hands and, um, you know, maintaining the heroic legacy that uh, the Fantastic Four had left um, uh, in that building, including all the uh, scientific uh, uh, inventions that Reed had left behind in the building. So uh, Johnny's not happy about this. While he hasn't lived in the building for a long time, he still considers it home, and uh, he's not all that keen on um, what's been happening. Um, while uh, Spidey and uh, the Human Torch kind of duke it out, uh, things are kind of happening under their nose, and uh, while they team up to uh, to stop it, one of the characters that had been uh, that had been uh, a bit player in the Spider-Man book um, kind of comes back to the fore as a former reformed villain may not be so reformed anymore and may have reverted to villainous ways. So that is the the, the basic um, story arc that we have in this issue. Uh, we end up with a cliffhanger that was teased in the last issue of what Peter Parker's future career may be. Uh, where he goes from here uh, because he's going to need a job. Uh, it, it was mentioned uh, uh, not so subtly in the first issue of this uh, new story arc that Mockingbird post Parker Industries had basically bounced back and found uh, gainful employment while uh, Peter Parker was uh, vegging out on his sofa or her sofa. So um, that is, um, that is for that, that aspect of uh, the future of uh, the character is further developed in this issue. So um, I enjoyed this. I like, 
that uh, slot is putting a lot of effort into establishing a new status quo. Uh, that is one of his strengths, even though a lot of us don't necessarily like his stories in that they take our characters to very painful places. Um, he's definitely very good at planning out the long game. So uh, I give him a lot of credit with that. And we, we're seeing the long game being played out even in individual issues. There's definitely a lot packed into these. These are not uh, necessarily uh, Bendis style um, you know, issues here. I, without saying too much more, you kind of understand what I mean. Yeah, but at the same time, if it wasn't for Slat kind of playing this long game and giving us all these stories that, you know, tie in with the long game, I was like, we, we're not getting, we wouldn't be getting such good stories. Right. You know, when it comes to like Spectacular or, or, um, Superior. Yeah, Superior Spider Ham and stuff. I'm so happy for him. Spider Man and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know if it would be fair to say that Spider is one of those characters, like, at a certain point, you, you don't know what to do with, but Slot's been doing a lot with him, so that's not true. But at the same time, if you don't take that character out of, you know, the, the zones that they've already kept in, you can't really get good stories out of them because you just have them doing the same stuff over and over again. So I'm not sure who these people are who, who are not liking the stories, but who plan to care about the character. <laughs> you would think they would want something like this. You know, it's, you know, I, I don't even want to get into that. That's a, that's a whole other can of worms. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Into, uh, you know, fandom of uh, pop culture nowadays and not wanting to see uh, their characters change or evolve. So uh, yeah. that's, another, that's another day. It's another day. Sure. So uh, what do we have last? Is it Detective Comics? I know. Actually, I, let me go ahead and hit mine really, really quick, which would be, uh, and I don't have a, a book for this. I mean, I don't have a thing for this. Uh, Catalyst Prime Incidentals number three, but um, real quickly. So I think I've said this before about this book. This there, there's some familiarity in this where this story seems like it start trying to do. Um, there's this business person named Chen who's trying to get together this this team because apparently there is a another threat outside of the one that uh, born the the Catalyst Prime event. Uh, and there may or may not be some stuff coming from outer space that he's trying to that he's trying to um, get prepared for outside of the stuff that is like going on Earth with you know the, the event and what's happening. So he's uh, trying to find these people for this thing. So there's this one of the persons that they're trying to get a lead on who's being chased by some somebody else uh, that he sends part of this team to try to uh, apprehend and try to get them to come over to their side, but. Uh, unfortunately they get captured uh and at the same time chin himself is trying to woo these other former couples into into the fold even though they have kind of odds with each other uh because of the event that happened um but it looks like uh, at the end of the issue like said, the, the two things came together because like said, the, the the other team that went look for this other person uh, ends up losing the the the, uh, the person that they were looking for and have to come back in and report to uh to Chin, but they, I think at the same time they end up finding this other police detective who's been looking into these strange events, who also may or may not be enhanced themselves. But we don't know that part just yet, or at least he himself doesn't know that himself. But it sounds like someone else does. But like I said, um, this is just—I don't know. This one is is intriguing because of the fact that, like I think I said last week or so, the whole the Catalyst Prime universe is actually has some interest uh, in what's going on with it for me. Like uh, a lot of stuff hasn't really come together because you still have the separate books kind of doing their thing, but you also see 
things of the world and in the world that kind of permeate through each book. More uh, than Easter eggs, right? More, so more so than just plain just Easter eggs. It's actually like kind of how everything intersects. There's little little bits of that, yes. Like there have been no direct crossovers. There's no been direct crossovers with any of the books, but they do talk of you know there is talk of what is going on in the world. Okay, within each of the books, like Superb, I think as we talked about last week, is probably the one that has mentioned um, a little bit more directly. Not necessarily things that happen, but people, or at least one person in particular, which is the bad, the quote unquote, the bad guy, a uh, bad person who caused the event, you might say, um, for whatever other reason. But that person is in Noble, um, which I haven't. There's another thing about it. I need to go back and read the last one. Regardless, though, um, so they're they're basically doing separate world building. I, I would imagine at some point there's probably going to build up to an event that's going to have all these characters come together at some point. I'm not sure, but like I said, for now we just have these individuals kind of in their separate corners, okay, telling their stories. But you still know if you are keeping up with that universe, you know of what is kind of going on around it. Sure. All right. So I guess we can get to clicks of the week, and we can do uh, Tim Dog 98s in there too. So here we go. Ready? Do it. Click to the week. All right. So I've already spoiled mine. <laughs> that was pretty straightforward. My click of the week is uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 790. And Tim's is, uh, which we haven't talked about, but right. is uh, Detective Comics six, uh, 967. And his note on that says, uh, Batman has been scheming behind his allies back again by creating... Brother I, which you'd think he'd, um, you know, he did once already. He's doing again. Yeah. So everything is old as new again, folks. Right. Um, and my click of the week might just be. I'm pretty good. I think I'll go with uh, U.S. Avengers number eleven. Okay. That was that was kind of fun with all the little things that happened within it. I'm surprised they didn't go with Moon Girl. I like that. I, 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 I almost did because that one also, like, you know, while this was not a week full of standout stuff, there was actually some good stuff to read, and those two books were actually the the best out of the the pack that I've read. Sure, it was kind of close in that one, but like I said, U.S. Vintage was just pretty. It was just pretty fun most of the way around. Cool. All right, so let's uh, move on to our first ad read of the night. Uh, while Roddy Cat gets ready for the next portion of the show, uh, please help keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcasts Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc., etc., for every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now, Roddy, if you're ready, we're ready. High sign. We're hitting for the news. Sorry, I had myself clicking because I was doing some um, 
I actually setting up news. No, actually, I had already said that before okay. we even started. So I was doing some other clicking that I was doing. Some <laughs> yeah. That's what I was anticipating that you were trying to get up some of these websites that will autoplay, and I'm like, no, let's just read it. Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, we we still got that to contend with, unfortunately. So if you want to go ahead and start off? Let's get um. On you got it. Let's roll. So the Justice League Two script is already in the works. We haven't even seen Justice League One, and the script for Justice League Two is for at least Roddy Cat, unsurprisingly already in the works. Warner Brothers has officially launched their DC film universe with Zack Snyder's uh, crap, and now has found some success with uh, Wonder Woman, and Justice League is only weeks away. So now that that movie's in the can and ready to be released, we uh, find out that Justice League 2 script is in the works. Yeah, no, nah, that was that was the uh, that was the uh, the author of this article saying that it was unsurprising, which I agree with because I'm like, like, yeah, who didn't think that there wasn't going to be a two even before uh, the first one comes out? And I think there was another article about even though the script is already in the work, I think there's some reworkings of it supposedly that's happening with it. I don't know. I, I know I saw another article, but I just decided not to put it in there because hey, it's All right. uh, next up. Aquaman's uh, his solo film has wrapped filming. So James Wan has, uh, I believe that's James Wan. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm sorry. That was um. No, it is. No, that's this is uh this uh this Instagram picture is um Jason Momoa. Oh, who is the star of Aquaman? So what? Who is the star of Aquaman? Exactly. So, so yeah, the news the news of the, the the filming wrapping up was by this uh by by Jason Momoa and uh, Amber Heard by, who play Aquaman and Mira and uh, yeah it was a photo that they put out on Instagram so cool alrighty so uh C the DCCW verse uh arrows. Felicity's mom is set to return in season six. I know who this is because she is played by Charlotte Ross, formerly of NYPD Blue, and the famous uh, uh, scene with the uh, detective... Uh, oh, my God, I can't remember his name. Um, hey, that was her. Pippa with the son, yes. All right. Like, well, yeah, I know, you know Charlotte Ross has done a lot of things, and she's... Mm-hmm. I just remember... I, I specifically remember that, though. Interesting that you would remember that. <laughs> I, I wonder why I remembered that. Oh, weird. I don't know. Hey, mom smokes kind of fine, so I'm really gonna you know, <laughs> take there you go. Uh, next up, speaking of Arrowverse, uh, Diggle's run as Green Arrow is not going to last, not surprisingly. So, uh, as of this week, spoiler alert, um, John Diggle's taken over the duties of the Green Arrow, which he's done before, so I'm not sure why this is because he's doing it on a slightly longer basis, yeah. Because then I mean he's he has donned the the, the helmet the, the the hoodie before and, and a couple of different times, but yeah, I guess this is him heading the team while whatever's going on with Oliver uh, is going on. I haven't been keeping up with Arrow, so I don't know. But apparently, it's not going to last. Party poopers. Hmm. Uh, next up, all right. Uh, again, with the television shows, the Flash's latest development teases a new Arrowverse arrival. So apparently, the West family is about to get bigger. Um, I won't spoil everything, but apparently, uh, there is a uh, bun in the oven. Or I guess if it goes by comics, two. Wait, did they have one or two kids? Oh. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Regardless, hey, there you go. It's happening. 
Uh, next up, Legends of Tomorrow reveals Zari's connection to an existing team member. These spoilers, so these articles have had spoilers with them and not being caught up with these various shows. Uh, I'm not even gonna sit here and tell you what it is because I don't know because I didn't read it. Alrighty, but I think this might have something to do with Zatanna. I'm not sure, or no one says fixing, so we're just gonna keep on rolling. Okay, next up. Uh, there's a report out that Gareth Evans, the uh, director of the Raid movies, is in talks to direct a standalone Deathstroke movie with Joe Manganiello. So, Magic Deathstroke. Gotcha. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. so Gareth Evans, if you don't know, uh, also did the Raid movies. So, if you enjoyed those movies and think he's probably going to bring any of that to this, that's probably a safe bet. Probably. I've still yet to see either one of those movies, but I, and I do, but I do actually have them, uh, so I am going to have to check those out. I haven't seen the second one. Yeah, I heard. I mean, anytime people bring up bring up the Raiders, like you haven't seen that movie, it's the best movie ever. I'm like, all right, calm down, calm down. It's funny. I got you. It's, it's yeah. Anyway, next up, you got this. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, female Thor has great potential, says Marvel's Kevin Feige. So he Feige was out there talking, and I guess he was asked if, um, because of the fact that we have uh, several cinematic U Avengers contracts starting to come back, maybe uh, think about other ideas of other characters that they could bring in. And the idea of uh, Jane, well, female Thor didn't specifically say Jane Foster Thor, but I'm pretty sure that was the implication. Um, and he says, uh, we always look back to the comics to get those ideas sometimes in very specific storylines like Civil War. Sometimes we get negative of characters like Planet Hulk. So anything that's happened in the comics, even a female Thor, become great potentials and the ideas of which future movies can be born. So he's teasing it out there saying that they could probably do it. I don't think they will because they're ballless. But, um, hey, who knows? It could happen. Okay. Uh, that commentary is definitely straight up Roddy uh, trolling Marvel. <laughs> hey, I love him, but you know, you can't. It's funny. So, but uh, moving on to the next story, which I guess has two sides of the coin. <laughs> yes. So, uh, apparently, Tessa Thompson uh, 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 um, did an interview, I guess. I didn't read the stories. Uh, it was so I, I'll take it. So um, I believe there's some some scuttlebutt out there on Twitter, uh, you know, Twitter rabble, whatever, whatever. And Tessa Thompson about uh, Valkyrie, Valkyrie's sexuality, and Tessa Thompson said uh, she's bi, and yes, she cares very little about what men think about her. What a joy to play! Um, and this was a few days ago. Uh, okay. When, when this happened and i can't remember because i think i even read the the twitter the the, the, the tweet that uh prompted that but who cares because it's from some person um a few days later uh i guess she had to clarify that statement by saying yes val is buying the comics and i was faithful to that in her depiction but her sexuality isn't explicitly addressed in thor ragnarok and there you go because that, because ever since she said that initial statement, people were like, you know, obviously, like, yeah, she's bi, and doesn't that, and that's great, and that's awesome. But you know, whether they were going to show that in the movie, right? Whether or not it's a point to be made in the movie, I guess exactly. it was it was kind of up in the air, and we found out that there you go. All right, so we've got a couple. So let me roll. Uh, since we rolled those two stories together, let me roll these two Captain Marvel uh, stories together. So uh, Kevin Feige has come out and confirmed. 
that Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, will appear in Avengers 4. We've also found that uh, Captain found out that Captain Marvel may be eyeing uh, Rogue One's Ben Mendelsohn for a villainous role, probably a Kree scientist. Yeah. So Ben Mendelsohn, who played uh, Director Krennic in Rogue One, is who's clearly already played a bad guy. If you know that, if you've watched that movie, sure. Um, yeah. Sure, it makes sense. All right. Since you have done that one, can you uh, find the next two? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of that. Don't you like how the, how the news person does their job? <laughs> um, <laughs> the Punisher current events did not change the series final edit. Now we talked about it before to where they did not show the footage they were going to show at um, New York Comic Con because of the uh, the sad events of um, Las Vegas, the, the Las Vegas mass shooting that happened around that time. But uh, which uh, which this makes sense because there was there would be no reason to change it because that happened. Well, you would think there would be no reason to change it, you know, because of the fact that that event happened when it did. So, which also kind of makes me wonder, well, wait, if they if they made a point to make that, to, to say this, then I wonder what, um, what um, you know, what made the edit, what made the final edit. Now, granted, the Punisher is a serial killer, I mean, is a serial killer, quite a quote-unquote anti-hero, but he only still kills bad guys. Okay, that's, you know, it is what it is. So just him getting on the air anyway in, in this day and age would be something different in a different light if you, if you kind of went that fully there, if you went fully there, but we are not, and no one is. So you got to take that for what it is. Okay. Um, did you get the next one? Um, all right. Karen Page also almost didn't make it into the series. So, yes, there was um, a article came out this past week that uh, said that, hey, Karen Page from Daredevil series, a.k.a. Karen Wall, a.k.a. Baby Vamp, um, is going to be in the Punisher series, which I hear a friend of mine squeeing with, with joy right now. Because initially, I guess she wasn't going to be. And I guess, you know, there was no reason to believe. Well, I guess there was very little reason to believe that she would be, except for the fact that the she spent most of the time during Daredevil with him. So you kind of got to wonder about that. But regardless, she's going to be in, and apparently she wasn't going to be. For the, but um, um, uh, apparently uh, John Bernthal asked for her to be in there. And, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. And that is why she is now in the, uh, that's why she is in the Punisher. So, which oh. also, which also leads, uh, I believe, led a couple of articles to believe that may or may not be a love connection between the two during the course of this series, or at least speculation of said mm-hmm. relationship. We don't know. We won't find out until a few weeks from now. All right. Is this next story your editorial? No, this is their editorial. Whose? I, I didn't get the link, that's why. Whose right. is it? Yeah. I don't know. Anything in the notes is from the article. Oh, no, no. In, term, you know, in terms of the uh, the title, like sometimes the title gets... Oh, yeah. I said it was an editorial, but, you know, it was... You know, the title of the editorial actually says that it's BS? That's funny. Yeah, the title... The title Yes, the title of the article says is BS, hence why I decided to throw an editorial uh, tag into it. Understood, that. understood. So essentially, Kevin Feige laid out the same story that uh, he's been giving about, you know, the interconnectivity of the Netflix and the Marvel Cinematic versions of uh, New York City and their heroes. And uh, I guess um, in response to a question of why uh, the Avengers Tower isn't visible uh, from anywhere in the streets of New York that are patrolled by the Netflix heroes. Feige basically says, yeah, they can't see it because in the parts of New York City they're in, you can't really see it. 
I mean, listen, if you've ever been in New York City, that makes sense. But come on, it's, you know, not that big a city. And they go more than a block or two. So I got in. Come on. Avengers Tower in the movies were kind of was kind of even like it's a 93 stories. And yes, there are a lot of skyscrapers, skyscrapers in New York. But you can tell me a 93 story building would not be seen in a lot of places in New York. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm going to leave it at that. It's just silly. Yeah, basically. So I'm not sitting. I'm not sitting here saying that I don't disagree with the art, the the author's article. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Agents of Shield star to play Frida Kahlo in Pixar's Coco. So one Natalia Cordova Buckley, aka Yo Yo, aka Slingshot of Agents of Shield, will lend her voice talent. Um, will lend her voice to the legendary Mexican artist Frida Kahlo in the film uh, Coco, which is coming out. In another month or so, uh, looks like she will have a cameo in the English language version. Wait, so does that mean she's going to be in the Spanish language version also? Well, regardless. So yeah, so that's cool. Okay, uh, going to the uncool. Uh, <laughs> the IMAX CEO admits that the Inhuman screenings in IMAX format were a mistake. Essentially, what the CEO uh, admits is that Rich Gelfond admits to Deadline that. Uh, they didn't exactly get the product that's kind of IMAX worthy um, to put on IMAX screens. You know, you, you expect a certain uh, production, uh, uh, you know, production value, a certain, uh, you know, budget, uh, you know, or lack of attention to budget when it comes to these IMAX movies. And, you know, if anything, all the Inhumans are is a budget you know, series. I've tried to watch it. It's tough. Um, you know, I watch it like, you know, when, 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 uh, football is awful because, you know, the giants suck again, getting back to, you know, my, my, my current team here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to my current uh, sports teams, uh, you know, my current fandom, uh, you know, my teams are just sucking so far. So I'm finding other things to do with my time. So, uh, you know, watching uh, shows I've been meaning to get around to, and I've watched, I think the first three and a half episodes of Inhumans and it is hard to get through. It's hard. The wow. production value is bad. The best part is Lockjaw. It's so disappointing to see Black Bolt running around with his face uncovered. It sucks. Mm. I haven't seen any of it, so I, I, I'm sorry. It, <laughs> it's, it's so disappointing. So I can't imagine. You know, I, I can't imagine feeling. You know, like watching this in IMAX and just being like, "Are you kidding me?" So, yeah, and. I would imagine that's where a lot of the hubbub about it being, I mean, even before, because I mean, this out well before it got out the gate, like people were kind of poo pooing in humans for even the trailer. So, yeah. Sure. I, I kind of want to give it hope. I mean, kind of want to give it a chance, but at the same time, it's, it's it hasn't been looking good from the start and, you know, whatever. So, All I right. kind of, just like, so you want things to be good, but sure. You're not, hey, it is what it is. All right. Now that we're in the Fox news, I was gonna say now that we're in Fox movie news, let's move it on. Let's move it. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll do what we can. Uh, f- actually, there might be a couple. Uh, Fox's Gambit is casting with sequels in mind. Um, They're so full of hope, these people. I believe because this is not this is coming off of someplace called a hype to hashtag show, so we don't know if this is actually the case or not. But it's Fox. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And that's all, right. all about that. Um, even though we don't even have the, the original Gambit movie yet. So, right. sure. Right. Next. So, um, one of Fox's uh, few successes in the X-Men universe, uh, based off of uh, Logan, um, 
the director of Logan has confirmed that he's actually working on an X-23 movie script based on the young actress or actor uh, Daphne Keene, who plays uh, Laura in uh, the movie Logan. Cool beans. Um, and back to some bad news. Venom movie. Actually, I'll tie these two together. Um, Venom movie officially begins production. The movie probably not too many people actually ever wanted, probably outside of Tom Hardy. Um, started production on this past Monday with the release of a behind-the-scenes photo of said star Tom Hardy. Hey, boo! boo! Uh, and in more uh, Venom news, Tom Hardy's Venom will be a motion capture creation. In this day and age, not a surprise. Not a big surprise. Not a surprise. All right. So uh, we have some Star Trek Discovery news. It has been renewed for a second season on CBS All Access. Ooh, not sure how to feel about that. Should I be cheering? I haven't seen any episodes. I have heard nothing but, well, um, yeah, I have pretty much heard at least all my timeline, nothing but good stuff about the show. And these are pretty much Star Wars fans and sci-fi fans. So I'm still want to check it out for myself as a, as a Star Trek fan. Uh, but I don't, I have no reason to believe that it wouldn't be all right. Okay. Uh, and actually there's another Star Wars story, a Star Trek story, excuse me, uh, which is to discover the Star Trek discoveries, robot looking crew member explained, which I guess this is a spoiler for the Maybe the last episode or the episode before that, I can I don't know. Apparently, they have um, a robotic non-Borg, possibly not. Well, I guess I would going by the pictures. I would wager to say proto data type. Yeah, but, I was say like a like a, a precursor. Mm-hmm. But uh, don't know. Again, I had to watch the show and find that out. But apparently, this article goes into explain the the what that character is about. Alrighty. So, uh, for fans of Star Wars Rebels, the animated series, don't expect any Han Solo connections in the final seasons of the show. Uh, I guess they are not going to drop too many clues about uh, Han Solo. I mean, I guess kind of makes sense because most of the ties... Actually, I take that back because there was actually... A... Whatever, they tie everything together nowadays. Well, that's true, too. I mean, and and um, Lando has shown up as has Princess Leia or whatever, but... Um... It's it is strange that they would go that route to saying that there's no there's no tie to hand solo, but I guess it also kind of makes sense because this is the last season of the show anyway. So whether there would even be any ties to to you know to link the two uh, together would be interesting. But also I was like, well, they only tied to the main stuff, but I just remembered that there was a uh, Easter egg in Rogue One to Rebels, so I was like, well, it can't be just leading. It can't be just sticking to the, the main stuff, not saying that Rogue One is not in the main stuff, but it's kind of a sad story regardless. So, nevertheless, whatever, I mean, it is what it is. No hands out, no connections. The Star Wars Rebels was still a good show. It's not going to kill anything by, by it not being tied to Han Solo. Uh, oh, and you did not notice, but there was some news on the other side, so I'll just go ahead and start this off and say uh, Mads Mikkelsen to star in Polar Film Adaptation. Um, it's Polar... Uh, came in from the cold specifically is a web comic that ended up being reprinted at Dark Horse, which is now being turned into a movie uh, directed by Jonas Ackerland. And as we said, Mads Mikkelsen is playing um, the lead character. Looks like um, looks like he he will be playing an assassin because I don't know anything about this uh, graphic novel or this web comic turn. Yeah, me turn comic, but. Um, 
says here that Matt Mickelson was born to play the world's best assassin, says producer Jeremy Boat. He is totally believable as the Black Kaiser in Polar, and Jonas's unique, vibrant, but grounded and darkly comic style will set Polar apart as an unforgettable tale. And apparently, um, whoever wrote this forgot the fact that uh, Matt Mickelson was also in Rogue One right after uh, <laughs> Dark Strange. But this is fine. Next up. All right. All right. Up, up. Uh, a new, uh, a new- of Marvel, uh, Marvel Runaways featured a new trailer. Yes, so yeah, that was a new trailer for, for Runaways, uh, and apparently um, the character of Old Lace uh, apparently appeared in somewhere during the course of this uh, this trailer. So, yes, you got So, uh, so shout out to any uh, members of our uh, listenership and viewing audience who would be willing to reach out to one at agent underscore 70 and help a brother out with the Hulu uh, hookup so I can watch this. <laughs> we'll talk after the show. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, oh, so figure it out, people. Is the, is the dinosaur from the 87th century that that becomes the pet of young Gert Yorks of the Runaways? So I can only imagine how the CG is going to be for that. Um, but there you go. Runaways is going to be on November 21st. Or actually, it has already. No, Snack Mine. Never mind. Next up, going back to a little bit of Thor Ragnarok news. Um, Thor Ragnarok actor cast as Shazam. So guess what, folks? TV's Chuck is Chuck is going to be uh, the new Shazam, the mightiest mortal. Yes, aka Zachary Levi of the aforementioned show, I, and also heroes. And heroes. listen, they can pump up a lot of people pretty big. I'm not sure how big they're going to get this guy. I mean, okay, think about this though. Think about like. You had Star Lord, you had uh, Chris, whatever his face from Parks and Rec, kind of swole up mm-hmm. to be Star Wars. Like, I mean, Star Star Lord, and and from my accounts, it was pretty significant because he was kind of a little, uh, he was kind of a pudgy dude. I mean, he was kind of big, but he was kind of pudgy during his Parks and Rec before he swole up. So uh, they could do things, and there have been actors who've gone the length to to kind of bulk up a few extra pounds. You know what I mean, you know, telling what he's gonna do. Hope so. All right, but yeah, there we go. All right, so what is this? The Joker kidnaps Mark Hamill. New <laughs> Justice League action short. So this is kind of cool, actually, if you've not seen this. So Mark Hamill um, was went on Twitter with this post, um, and it says, the only time I've ever done anything while I was sleeping with the entire cast. So basically what this short is, is that Mark Hamill, the actor Mark Hamill, gets... Uh, kidnapped by the Joker, also played by Mark Hamill, and the Trickster, also played by Mark Hamill, uh, and is done in the style of Justice League uh, action. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a part of the show, if this is something on the side of the show, but it's all cool. So basically, mostly everybody that was in here was voiced by Mark Hamill. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, do so. Um, including the actor Mark Hamill also doing some voice work um, as one of the other people. And also... By the way, he voices uh, Swamp Thing, who shows up in this short. So again, go check this out. It's um, it's pretty it's pretty cool. And I believe right. that's for the cinematic news. Page back to our comic news. Uh, let's see if we can get through this quickly. Uh, here we go. Lineforge launches syndicated comics LLLC Limited. Super limited liability company. Basically, Lion Ford bought bought the beat, which was the comics um, right. website. Uh, and obviously, there are people who are talking about it. it. Might be some 
whatever is behind the scenes. But eh, you know, uh, this article uh, notes, I should say, that uh, the beat is not the first comic blog news site to be owned by the subjects they covered. The Comics Journal is earned by owned by Fantagraphics. Bleeding Cool is owned by Avatar. Comic Vine uh, is owned and yeah, Comic Vine is owned by CBS Interactive. Um, and this also, article also notes, funnily enough, that um, Heather McDonald, the uh, the proprietor uh, of uh, the beat, says on her site, "I'm a little sad that everything I wrote that everything I write about Lions Forge comics will now have to be labeled as hype and sponsored content. But I'm going to have the same standards for covering them as I have every other company. Uh, they put out some good comics, and I want to help people know about that as I always have. Heather McDonald been around in the comics field for quite a long time, you know, so." Um, that that is the name a, a lot of people know. And this article also goes on to say that uh, we'll have to wait and see how that disclosure about relationship will happen going forward. Both uh, TCJ and Comic Vine feature their owners in small text at the bottom of their front page. Bleeding Cool features no disclosure on the front page. So that was, might be a little dick at BC. We don't know. Okay. I adjusted the headlines to reflect the proper number of L's in a limited liability company because that's what threw me off. You got to love it. <laughs> There were four L. There were three L's there. I was like, "What the hell is a triple L?" <laughs> Some of us on the on this panel would would know more about that uh, than you know. Yes, so I'm looking at that. I'm like, "What?" That's why I said it's a super limited. <laughs> anyway, it's just a typo, people. So yes. Marvel, Marvel shows off more of Thor's new look and hammer in the latest. Uh, I guess the excerpts from Thor number seven hundred and people trying to explain where this might be going. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's not that far off from, I mean, arm aside and still brandishing a, the, the hammer. I mean, the, the X in this picture, not that much different from what he would normally wear regardless. Right. It's just a matter of what these uh, metallic things are, you know, what, what, what metal these are covered with so, or, or made of. So that's really what the question is. I mean, what have they always been made of, though? I mean, cause he's, he's had a version of them for a minute. No, but they were Uru before. But Uru has always been portrayed as being, you know, kind of metallic colored. Right. So seeing something, um, I mean, other than uh, Beta Ray Bill's Uru uh, hammer, which is gold, you know, I, I you know, uh, Simonson uh, specifically designed it so that it would be distinctive. So it's kind of curious. Like, I wonder if it's Uru or if it's going to be something else. I mean, whatever the arm is made out of, probably the same material and the hammer, which could very well be gold Uru. We don't know. We'll find out. You'll we find don't know. out. Exactly. <laughs> Next up. Uh, we've kind of already talked about this, but Claw's return kick starts Black Lab, uh, Black Panther's legacy arc, which again we've already talked about that. So, and I think this is also an individual in an interview where I uh, talked to Leonard Kirk about his, um, you know, him coming onto the book. Sure. Um, Top Cow Stairway reveals how DNA is key to saving society. So this is a Top Cow Productions Kickstarter project, an original graphic novel entitled Stairway, which takes a hard look at our DNA. And the potential it has to rebuild our society in the wake of a nuclear disaster. So that sounds like an interesting premise. And if you're looking to contribute, um, do you have a link? A link in the article, but you can. Um, look there's it. a link in the article on CBR. Right. Um, and if you want to look for a Stairway Kickstarter comics, that'll probably get you somewhere closer to that. There's also mentioned a book you mentioned earlier, Golgotha. Golgotha, yeah. Golgotha, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the original graphic novel. We had a, I don't know if it was out. I think it's out this week. We definitely got our our our, pre, our review copy, and I did read a good chunk of it. So um, I liked it. I didn't realize that was a result of their most recent Kickstarter initiative. 
So, you know, it's cool because Matt Hawkins, you know, he's done a think tank for Top Cow. He's also wow. one of their uh, upfront people, like editors in chief or something along those lines. So, um, you know, they, they're, they're putting together some kind of thought provoking work. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, next up. Uh, DC Entertainment to receive the Visionary Award at the 2017 GLSEN Respect Awards. Um, That's not how you spell respect. You got to talk to Rita Franklin. (laughs) Nice. Uh, GLSEN, I want to say Gleason, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Leading education organization creating safe and inclusive schools for LGBTQ youth who honor DC Entertainment with the Visionary Awards at the 2017 Respect Awards. Uh, Diane Nelson, president of DC Entertainment and president of Warner Brothers Consumer Products, will accept the award at the gala on... Actually, has already accepted the um, the the award on the October twentieth at the Beverly Wilshire. So, congrats to DC for that. And we kind of already talked about this, but yep, we did. Just very quickly, uh, mercies for the week. Batman: The Merciless number one. Please refer back to my discussion of the book. Yep. Uh, Liam Sharp teases mystery DC Comics project. Uh, artist Liam Sharp took, took to Sharp took to Twitter earlier Monday morning to drop a big hint about mystery project he's been working on for DC. This article goes on to say that um, looking at the powers that uh, Liam Sharp, Liam Sharp, why am I saying Ian Sharp put out, uh, speculates that uh, the designs to have Nordic runes on them could be something to do with Norse mythology. We don't know at this point, uh, but. We'll, we'll probably get some more news on that from somewhere down the line. Alrighty. So, uh, what's next? Um, so you did the Liam Sharp one? Yeah. Detectives Bat Team in the Belfry gets a name, and it's perfect. So, James Tinian IV uh, took over this book. He created a Bat Family dynamic, and this uh, group has been named. It's not in the, it's not in the story. Isn't it? Um, I haven't opened the story. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And I didn't read this article. I don't know why I didn't because it's not like I'm reading a book. Um, okay, here we go. I'm gonna scroll through this thing. I rang the spoiler bell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil the crap out of this. So, um, the oh god, so the group, this, 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 uh, bad family group has been named the Gotham Knights, as in Knights of the Round Table, Knights of King Arthur. Uh, hey, boo! boo! <laughs> Thank you. Yes, moving right along, get into some. Um, oh, geez, I thought I had. Um, wait, I had moved the stuff around. What's going on here? Okay, we're gonna do a little skipping around here. Okay, lead uh, the way. So, Thanos is is genocidal in the exclusive Marvel Legacy first look. So, uh, yeah, this is an uh, interview with. Um, Actually, it wasn't an interview with John Cases. Basically, some preview pages from Thanos 13 in which, um, as you said earlier, it sounds like um, Thanos is uh, back to his old uh, power itself and uh, about to get in some some uh, dirt. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Kevin Eastman uh, and yep. Walt talk Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 75 and the surprise death of a classic character. I didn't want to be scrolled to that. Again, not reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so... I had a speculation that it was probably Splinter. Could be. Because that seems the logical choice. But, yeah. and, but I'm not sure if this... Um, 
if this article says. But guess what? There's going to be a, a death, and you'll probably hear about it at some point. Right, 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 right. We don't have to belabor it. Okay, so uh, we've got a few stories left, and it seems that they're toy-centric. They are, which is around in the back of Rodgers. Um, boost your Funko collection with exclusive Justice League glowing silhouette pops. So these are kind of cool. I just recently saw, um, and I'm, I'm shout out to PCN underscore Dirt if he has actually seen these, but there was a there was some glowing ones based off of uh, Kingdom's Hearts, but they were like Tron looking figures. Um, now he probably he probably wouldn't care for the Kingdom's Hearts, but uh, the Tron looking glow of them would probably be cool. We had a kind of similar thing with these with these um, with these Justice League phones. So basically, glow in the dark dark. Uh, pops and there's like the whole team one would say the cinematic team you might as well say is mm. uh, represented here mm. and uh, i think they'll be on sale quite soon okay yes. and um all right uh the next toy related story is introducing funko pop vinyl saga characters mm-hmm Saga, the epic space opera fantasy comic book series created by acclaimed writer Brian K. Vaughn and award-winning artist Fiona Staples is finally, I guess, coming to Funko. Uh, I know that PCN underscore Dirt has mentioned that in his store, Saga does not sell well. In uh, the little store I um, I frequent uh, that finds itself in uh, located within the West Village of New York City, Saga, unsurprisingly, has a pretty good fan base. Yeah, as I said, you know, one store can't really make up all sales. So exactly, it's not. Uh, you know, obviously, the, the, they're not exactly serving the same demographic. Right. So um, always keep when you hear stories about that kind of stuff. Exactly. So all that being said, we have uh, Funko uh, joining in on the fun and producing Funko pops of various characters from this series. Yeah, you would. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't had these already. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're they they finished mining like classic television animated series. No, they still are. They're still, yeah. they, stop, they still are. You know, so, so they're, they're, they're out there. These Listen, are. I'm just glad I got when you know when they put out the four uh, members of the A team. Um, I was happy to get them. That was awesome. Didn't get the van because I know you said there was a space. Thing. It's a space thing. The van is actually on the big side. Yeah, I almost I wish I had gotten the, the van before my uh, my old comic shop went out of business, but I didn't. Oh, they they would have had it like on sale. Oh, they had it. Yeah, they totally had it mm-hmm. on sale, like on, you know, for a cheaper price. Okay, I mean, what? Yeah, it was relatively cheap, even lower price. But yeah, even when it was starting to get rid of stuff, then, uh-huh. yeah, it would have been reduced a little bit more. So I should have gotten it then. But hey, hindsight. Last but not least is the story of the hour and the day for me. Um, for eight to seventy, probably also, but I also That's have cool. like, slight beef with it and that is 2018 marvel legends black panther movie series figures photos off of marvel total news which is a, a site uh, both agent 70 and i will frequent a lot yes <laughs> um apparently this kind of kind of kind of came out of nowhere today because um so we're getting a new wave of build a figure marvel legends series and um half of it's based off of uh the, the upcoming movie Black Panther. So we have another version of uh, Black Panther. We have uh, Nakia, one of the Dora Milaget. We have Eric Killmonger in this Black Panther suit. But we also have the likes of um, uh, Black Bolt, Submariner, which I found um, there was a name or uh, one I saw in um, uh, Walgreens recently. And I took a right, picture. that's the Walgreens. That's the Walgreens exclusive where he's wearing the blue tights. Right. 
Right. Uh, we, classic but Submariner. More, more yeah. classic, exactly. Submariner. And also, he's Tony Stark, Invincible. Well, yes, Invincible Iron Man. Because I at first I thought, wait, they're doing Ruby Williams? No. Which, here's start where I start my beef. Now, one, oh, well, before I even get into that, so the build the figure for this wave is uh, a collier of uh, the Dora Milaje. Right, another Dora Milaje. So that's yeah. fine. But it's cool. I'm in here. You see, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm great with I that. I think people cool. were disappointed that it wasn't like a Marvel man ape, you know, something big and sturdy. Yeah, who cares? Man-ape. No, but I mean, I, I, I definitely count myself. I, I have to, I have to interject with a certain point because when you find yourself building the builder figure, you want to feel like you're putting something, you know, impressive together. You know, sure. like large, right? And that's generally how build the figures have come. So I recall my hesitance in uh, uh, building uh, Mantis from the second Guardians of the Galaxy set. But I built it because I felt like it was a good, it was a nice figure and it was, uh, and it didn't require me to buy stupid Death's Head too. So, uh, <laughs> so I went and did it. But uh, I definitely understand, you know, like that first, that first reaction. It's like, oh, I wish it was like something supersized. You know, nothing against the character. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And see, my reaction on this one was the opposite. Because, yeah, some of those builder figures, just like you said with Mantis, was like, some of them are not great. And some of them like, I don't care about this building this character. Or, in some cases, half of the set that you that you have to make them, that you have to put them together with. Right, 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 right. And, um, I believe it was that last Guardians of the Galaxy one where the, the character was a throwback to, um, like, Nova or something. I can't remember. I was about to say Mr. Tony, but that's not that's not even the right universe. Regardless, I'm like, no, I don't want that. So this oh, one, I'm talking about the wait, wait, we're talking about in order to build Mantis, there was like a character that I mean, no, there was another been, No, no, not oh, that. Yeah, exactly the uh, the Titus, Titus. Right. Exactly. Like, who wants to build that? No one wants to build that. Exactly. A, char- a character people barely even. I know. think more people wanted to build Man Thing. I actually built Man Thing. So. Right. <laughs> so. So this one I was okay with because like okay at least it, one it was it was within the the realm of the wave and two I'm like hey that's a character we we get that character regardless one way or the other so that's awesome half like I said half of this wave I'm okay with um, now yeah I have to get another Black Panther figure but you know as we have found out with these things you you tend up having to do anyway right so there's a couple oh, uh, I don't know if you, do you know what the point. Uh yeah, I was gonna say uh Submariner, Submariner I don't care about this invisible invisible invincible Iron Man could have been Riri Williams they could have they could have done since mm-hmm. I don't think she has a figure yet. So mm-hmm. why okay. to go with Tony Stark? I don't know, but that's just my nitpick and I don't know. And Black Bolt, I'm neither here nor there on like it's a classic Black Bolt and I don't have one and that's actually looks halfway decent, so I'm okay with that one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like so 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 allow my my uh uh, my comments on pretty much the same idea. So I'm happy to get the the Black Panther movie figures. I'm happy that the two, uh, the two of the figures are Dora Milaje. So you can actually have more than one. So that you can actually have, you know, the the, the two bodyguards next to the Black Panther. You know, right. that's cool. What I don't like is that they've basically revealed what uh, Killmonger is going to look like, and it's kind of lame. Well, I mean, the, but the trailer house all had that in it exactly. But now it's even clearer that it's lame. Sure. So, you know what I mean? Like, I was just kind of hoping that I, uh, you know, the trailer was like, all right, it's, it's sort of clear. And if you just sort of like close your eyes for a second, you sort of don't see it. And, uh, you know, you can say you saw it, but you know, now it's out there for everyone to see. And I'm not a fan of the, you know, the, 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 the mirror image, you know, villain. 
Um, it's kind of cheap also now that I think about it, because if you think if you think about this one, his Killmonger's uh, suit is kind of a take off of, I believe, uh, Black Panther suit from the pre-series. Yes. With the gold trim. Yes. So right. that, that, feels that too, that too. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get a Black Bolt character, a Black Bolt figure, because uh, the only Black Bolt Marvel Legends that they've done is um, was an exclusive at San Diego. And it's this figure, but now I think they've, re- they've remolded a little bit the head. So they've got two heads now. It's got the, you know, like the quiet Black Bolt and the screaming Black Bolt, and that's cool. Uh, I think the wings weren't, didn't it? The, the wings were a little different also? I don't know. I can't, I didn't look at it that carefully. I do know that I've read that it's pretty much the same mold. Right. Um, I can say that as a fan of the Submariner, um, until they've kind of screwed up his character and had him go against the, the Illuminati and destroy Wakanda, blah, you know, all that stuff for his recent history, right? I like this version of the Submariner. I know that people like the, you know, having uh, uh, clothes on the Submariner, but I'm just used to, you know, the, you know, it's just kind of like normal for me to just see this dude running around in swim trunks. Yeah. So, um, you know, you could do like a lot of classic Avengers lineups with this figure. Um, uh, who else were we talking about? Who else is in this? Oh, Iron Man. Yeah, I, you're spot on with your Iron Man criticisms. I'm not a fan of Iron Man's inclusion in the series. How many Iron Mans do we need to see? And do we really need him to, what, bolster the lineup here? Right. You know, is that what this is? Is it to bolster the sales saying, oh, hey, kids, you may not want all these Black Panther figures, but here's an Iron Man. Come on. Right. And like, like, I'm, are we to believe that putting, well, actually not because of us, because, because it kind of looks like the current armor that, 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 uh, Ray Williams is wearing. But then again, most of his armors look fairly similar at a, at a certain point. So you can't really go by that. And you, of course, you got the, the Tony Stark head here. Like I said, that, this could have been a good opportunity then for them to just like, hey, we'll put a Ray Williams head in here and we'll make this. Well, not even a head. No, I was going to say they just, uh, they should have done a new mold. And I think but that, saying, I mean, they both were saying they could have done, you know, yeah. They could have not released, they could have held off on releasing this version of Iron Man for another wave. And, you know, that's just the, you know, at the, uh, you know, ultimately that's what it comes down to. They really should have molded a Riri Williams uh, figure. But uh, at the same time, I would caution. Uh, I, I, w- I would say that the criticism may not be warranted because you know how long it takes to produce these figures and to sculpt them and mold them and create, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm still I no, no, I would only mention, I listen, you know, your criticisms are your own criticisms. I would only mention as reference how long it took them to do a spider Gwen. It's true. That's the, I think that's really what it comes down to. Like that's one of the runaway popular characters. Um, and even stupid Gwenpool, you know, still hasn't come out yet. You know what I mean? But, but it has. But, but that character unfortunately has been out for quite a while now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, because, but, you know, but, which is, like I can't believe they're doing a Gwenpool later next year. You know what I mean? So, well, that's the thing that kind of gets me. Like they would do a Gwenpool as opposed to who's a much newer character than even. Like, well, I guess they no, can. Gwenpool's not. Like if you think about it, Gwenpool's been around for a couple of years. But uh, well, at this point, it's so bad. At this you point. Know, I just I just remember being so excited for the Spider Gwen and thinking yeah, totally. take, you know it took them quite a while to get that together. So I mean they did get a silk out and you know No, but, she'd been out a long time before that too. Yeah. So but anyway, you know, in any event, like I said, um it's nice when the you know when we get the toys that we want, sometimes we just we're just stuck waiting for them a little longer than we want to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Regardless, I'm they're more than likely I'm probably I you know I might as well say it, I would probably end up getting this wave. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get the dermologic. That's honestly that's really what my draw is. Yeah, uh, like, I'd like to have the two of them because 
you know, uh, the, the the it's not like they have a set appearance in the comics, so you can use them. You can you can use them as the uh, the, the the regular six one six, you know, uh, or, or or Marvel Prime Earth Dormalage. They don't have to be the, the MCU versions, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, all right, so we are at the end of our show. Yes, I so was going to do uh, an unboxing. Unboxing? No, way too long. So, you want to do? You want to just do the reading and then you do an unboxing real quick and just go quick through the unboxing? Okay, sure. Yeah. All right, let's knock it out. Let's knock it out. Uh, let's see here. While I pull up the next, well, did I close the window? I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. So, you know, you think I know these uh, these advertising reads by heart? Think again. Let's see. Uh, we did Amazon, so let's do script, 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 script. Aha. I would provide a soundtrack while we're waiting, but I can't think of anything. It's okay. Here we go. So are you ready with your box? As soon as I'm done with the reading? All right. So let me tell you about Skull Candy. Skull Candy makes the best headphones, earbuds, and gaming headsets, all with lifetime warranties. Skull Candy produces many types of audio accessories, including headphones, sports earbuds, Xbox gaming headsets, PlayStation gaming headsets, DJ headphones, iPod, and MP3 headphones. And now, for the listeners of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles, Skull Candy offers free standard shipping on your order. To help keep our podcast free, order from Skull Candy by going to cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. Click on the Skull Candy banner and then shop for high quality audio accessories with free standard shipping. Skull Candy Audio through CSPN.us. Do it today. And if you like the last part of our uh, our uh, comic news feed, which rese- which resembled what would be a comic book chronicle spinoff show called Toy Corner, uh, let us know in your feedback and comments. Yeah, and I guess this would this next thing would add on to it because we have another unboxing, folks. Yay! This month's uh, Marvel uh, Collector Core boxes come in. Actually, came in a few days ago, but for some stupid reason, I saved it. Uh, the theme is guess what? Thor Ragnarok, given the Yay! movie week. Which, by the way, uh, movie pro- well, no, we don't have to say that because we will still have a show next week. Exactly. And just go on with the unboxing. Uh, top of the box, you got Hella. It's Hella good. Put up bump. Um, of course, we got Lion Art. In nice. Bottom of the box looks like um. Thor and the Planet Hulk helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also have, and let's just add for time with the social in here. We have a beanie from <laughs> a, a Planet Hulk um, skull cap. Nice. It is almost winter time. Yeah, basically. Um, I don't know if I would wear this, and I'm debating that one. But it's kind of cool. It's got a little uh, um, Planet Hulk, Hulk, and the tattoos. Yeah. Is it the tattoos or the side of the helmet? Is that what it's supposed to resemble? Yeah. That's kind of cool, actually. Uh, we also have the prerequisite pin. Cool. Hella. I could probably wear that next week to the show. Um, we also have magnets. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I like the Hella one. That She's going to steal the show in this movie, man. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. They, uh, their early reports, uh, the Hella and um, Valkyrie have... Um, are pretty much doing it in this movie, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. But yeah, of course, this has a uh, Thor, Hulk, Loki, and Hela on that. And uh, oh shoot, oh weird. So um, Thor Ragnarok playing cards. No kidding. 
Yeah, which actually is kind of funny because I bought this a while back, which is a, a set of uh, X-Men playing cards for some odd reason. I like cards. What can I say? All right. Um, <laughs> and the one thing, of course, nowadays, you can't do go too far without seeing a fidget spinner. Oh. <laughs> it, a little, it has a little weight on it, too. Actually, it's cool because um, it's neat looking because on one side, it has uh, looks like Thor, Banner, and Hulk. Right. And on the other side, it has Loki. Wait, is that Loki, Valkyrie? And I don't know who this other person is. I guess I could pick it up real quick. Sorry for the rattling, folks. All right. Obviously, it's not Hella because you would recognize that right away. Yeah. So there you go with that. That's cool. I know that the fidget spinner fad is uh, petered out, but it's still pretty cool that they produce that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's probably going to continue for a little bit longer. So, yeah, I'm not sure who this person... Oh, that's Hella right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure... That's, uh, the, whatchamacallit? Um, exactly. Jeff, uh, A.K.A. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, yes. So, yeah, there we go. Like I said, this one's got a little weight for me, because my, my other, the other fidget spinner I have feels kind of cheap because it is because it's chinese made whatever it's but, one of those, yeah. i was about to say it's one of the uh the, the, the street models yeah basically that i got at uh a comic convention but this is cool and last but not least the, the thing you come in here for okay, let me stop that right there um pops got thor all righty with the with his helmet and oh, i thought there was something in here oh you got his shield you know battle regalia here and Loki, nice. So, and of course, you got on the back. You got um, you know, the, the figures that are going to be in a set. Suspiciously missing Valkyrie. Oh no, Valkyrie's right there. Never mind. So, I take back what I just said. And as a matter of fact, I think I saw a picture. Uh, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, but I thought I saw a picture with uh, Tessa Thompson with a Valkyrie figure. I might be wrong on that. Oh, with the with the with the Funko. Yeah, with the with the pop. Um, but I know I have seen a picture somewhere. So regardless, so that's that whole box. Yeah, have you seen the Target two pack? Um, I have actually, and I'm debating. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I haven't seen it yet, so uh, my hope is that either you know it passes the uh, the holiday season and it's still around, or I run into it when I'm shopping for the holidays. So we'll see. If I, if I run across it at one, you want me to pick you up one? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. Not 100 yeah. percent sure because I want to see if the Thor one, you know, because I know that the Thor one is just a duplicate basically, and that kind of sucks. You know, yeah, we'll talk offline. Yeah, you know, the only reason why the Iron Man and Spidey one was cool is because the Iron Man one had the empty head, right? Oh, you know, and, yeah. and the Spidey um, had the the Tom Holland head, right? I know William Bruce West had. I can't remember what he what his um because it looks like he had run across. Sure. Like I still haven't picked up the uh, the Star Lord and the Ego one because it's just not interesting enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah some of those some of those super is like uh, yeah. I oh, saw that one in particular is still sitting around in Toys R Us like gathering dust. Right. I saw a two-pack I almost picked up, and I think it was an Iron Man one. Uh, no, actually, I don't remember what it was. I had to go back. If it's still there next, next week, I'll go check it out. I meant was to get it the it. Iron Man and Spidey one? I can't remember, honestly. Because no, that was not for like it, a good... No, like, it, was, uh, it was War Machine and... Oh, and Iron Man, like the disco-colored? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, Um, you know, the, the Iron Man, and the empty, the empty helmet Iron Man and uh, a Tom Holland Spidey head was a pretty hot commodity for a while. And then they started to send out more to uh, Toys R Us. I started to see more of them. 
So they're not nearly as expensive as they once were on the secondary market. Um, probably can but, find them better than uh, SNES Classic. What's that? You can probably find them more than a SNES Classic. Yeah, that too. Um, but uh, uh, just very quickly, I wanted to mention before we close that I have seen, you know, like Spider-Man Homecoming in uh, in 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 fits and starts since I've gotten it on Blu-ray. I've seen the movie in total probably about three and a half times. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, people. Watch it. Just watch it. It'll bring a smile to your face. True. But you're here too. Am I? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not I'm not obsessed with them. I'm just observant. Yes. <laughs> that was great. So anyway, so let's wrap up the show. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us on this somewhat extended uh, Combo Chronicles that has incorporated elements of Combo Chronicles Toy Corner. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, follow us on our individual uh, social media accounts. I am at, at agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Follow at RoddyCat on at RoddyCat on Twitter and Instagram and at NewsNerdsNeed on Twitter and uh, at CBCaps on Instagram. Follow at PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter and at PopCultureNet on Twitter. Go to his website, PopCultureNetwork.com and uh, follow at TimDog98 on Twitter. And at the Click Nation on Twitter, and he runs our official Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter handle at cbcron. And go to our website www.vclicknation.com. And with that, um, we will not be going into movie protocol next week because with the move of our show to Friday evenings, we should be able to catch Thor Ragnarok on opening night and come back with our mostly spoiler-free reviews. So <laughs> tune in next week if you want to hear what we think about uh, um, Thor Ragnarok or just hold off on, you know, just fast forward past the, everything we say about the movie and listen to our thoughts on next week's comics and comic book news. So with that, we bid you uh, good night and we'll see you uh, around the same bat time and same bat channel. Leave you with this. Snitches wanna try, snitches wanna lie, the snitches wonder why, but, but, but.